Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. Well, it looks as though the U.S. Supreme Court is set to repudiate Roe v. Wade in Casey v. Planned Parenthood. (laughs) That's going to turn the abortion question back to the states. And it's going to turn it back to the will of the people rather than the will of nine unelected justices. So last night we learned that a first draft of Justice Samuel Alito's opinion in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization was leaked to the press. And this morning, Chief Justice Roberts confirmed the authenticity of the document, and it's the majority opinion that could overturn the precedent set in Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Now, the Chief Justice also said that even though the document is authentic, it doesn't represent the decision by the court. It definitely doesn't represent the final position of any member on the issues in the case. If you look at the top of the page, it says first draft. So the, now it's a significant it's a significant document, but it is a first draft. And the draft contains language very familiar to those who have argued that Roe uh, and Planned Parenthood v. Casey were fundamentally flawed decisions largely because the Supreme Court aborted the political debate over abortion that was already stirring in the states in the late 60s and early 70s. In fact, let me read from uh, Justice Alito's first draft here. Quote, At the time of Roe, 30 states still prohibited abortion at all stages. In the years prior to that decision, about a third of the states had liberalized their laws, but Roe abruptly ended that political process. It imposed the same highly restrictive regime on the entire nation, and it effectively struck down the abortion laws of every single state. As Justice Byron White aptly put it in his dissent, the decision represented the, quote, exercise of raw judicial power, and it sparked a national controversy that has embittered our political culture for half a century. End quote. It has embittered our political culture. Um, it, it, we are the partisanship that you see uh, in our culture today doesn't arise exclusively from abortion, but in some ways the abortion problem uh, is the necessary condition for the heightened and hyper partisanship that we have in America today. Don't have time to go into the details on that, but someday we'll talk more about it. Well, first of all, I'm not surprised by this opinion. As you know, uh, I've talked about this before. I'm not surprised that it's intelligent or informed or well-reasoned or even well-written. That's what I would expect from Justice Alito. And I'm not surprised by its trashing of Roe and, and Casey. From the start, I said, I thought Dobbs would return abortion to the states by a vote of six to three. Now, I'm standing by that, even though the leaked document covers the opinions of only five justices. I'm still hoping for uh, the sixth. I'm hoping that Chief Justice Roberts will join the majority. So when I read the leaked document, I wasn't surprised, and I wasn't especially delighted, as you might think, because um, I thought it was good. This really represents the beginning of a whole new phase of the struggle. And the reason I didn't get giddy with excitement is because it struck me just how hard it's going to be for pro-life people to turn America into a pro-life nation. You know, we've won at the Supreme Court. 
we still haven't won in the court of public opinion. Now, it's true that the American people pretty consistently have said they don't like abortion. They actually find it disgusting when it's used as a form of birth control. But by the same token, the American people don't like telling people to do uh, what they don't want to do, right? I mean, in this case, they don't like to tell mothers that they are morally obligated to do justice to the unborn human in their womb. Uh, America is a very individualistic culture and doesn't like forcing people to do the right thing. Thomas Sowell, in his book Civil Rights, Rhetoric or Reality, did point out how rare it is for great nations to acknowledge their mistakes and basically repent of mistreating their own people. But it does happen, and it's happened here in the United States in the past. In 1954, the Supreme Court overturned a precedent that had stood for roughly 60 years, uh, actually longer than uh, Roe and Casey. It was the precedent set in Plessy v. Ferguson. This is the 1890, I think, 97, 96 Supreme Court case that established the constitutionality of racial segregation. The Supreme Court approved the rule of separate but equal. So that was the idea that states and municipalities could separate the races in schools, businesses, uh, restaurants, public restrooms and water fountains, hotels, buses, railroad cars, concerts, sporting events, and so on, as long as the facilities provided for blacks were comparable to those provided for whites. Well, throughout much of the South, this legal principle of separate but equal was openly acknowledged. Racism in the North didn't have an open principle of separate but equal to hide behind, but it had other more covert ways of keeping the races separate. The principle of separate but equal was a sham. Uh, the facilities provided for blacks were not equal uh, to those provided for whites. But it took nearly 60 years for the Supreme Court to get it right. And in Brown versus Board of Education, the court overturned Plessy and repudiated the principle of separate but equal. It was a, motion, you know, a moment of national turning. You might say a, a moment of repentance, so to speak. I mean, And I'd like to repeat as I've said many times, that abortion is the morally defining issue of this generation, just like race was the morally defining issue of the last generation. Now, nobody can doubt how far we have come in dealing with racial discrimination since the 1950s. Today, we have become so sensitized to issues of race that O.J. Simpson was acquitted of a murder he most certainly committed because of L.A. Detective Mark Furman's use of the N-word, and that was 25 years ago. Today, we're so aware of racial sensitivity that some American studies professors can lose their jobs for teaching Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn, which uses the N-word in Huck's dialect, even though Huck Finn comes to the stunning realization that his friend Jim, the runaway slave, loves his wife and children the same as any white man or white woman love their spouse and children. In other words, Jim was as fully human as Huck. So I would love to say that... Um, with the overruling of Roe, America will be as sensitized to the humanity of the unborn as Huck Finn was to the humanity of Jim, and as America is today to our past mistreatment of black citizens. But the pro-life task today, after Roe, is much more difficult than the pro-civil rights task was after Brown versus Board of Education. I'll say that again. The pro-life task today, after Roe, is much more difficult than the pro-civil rights task was after Brown. 
In the 50s and 60s, remember this, our cultural elites in politics, the press, the churches, the universities, they despised the principle of segregation. With the exception of the new conservatives of the mid-1950s, our cultural elites rejoiced with Brown versus Board of Education, and they thought it was great that there was a greater sense of opportunity and humanity for black Americans. Today, our cultural elites in politics, the press, the churches, entertainment industry, corporate America, they like the results of Roe. They don't mind the dehumanizing of the unborn. Even if they know Roe was badly argued, they're happy with the result. So when abortion is turned back to the states, then there will be no national rejoicing of how a great nation has repented. You know, when abortion is turned back to the states, the pro-life movement will have its greatest challenge to date. We'll now have to convince 50 state legislatures that the right to life and care for the unborn is as morally obligatory as was opportunity and fairness for black citizens. And we're not going to have the news media and the mainstream press on our side initially. They'll be against us, even as the entire Democrat Party will be arrayed against us. Corporate America loves abortion rights. Hollywood, the theater, the entertainment industry loves abortion rights. The pharmaceutical companies love chemical abortions. Many Americans still believe that the right to shed the blood of an unborn child is a proud accomplishment of an enlightened people. So we have our work cut out for us. Winning hearts and minds is the only way to win public recognition of the unborn's humanity. If the pro-life people can turn America's heart toward the unborn, and America can become a pro-life nation, we're going to have the opportunity to change many other nations around the world who still see the United States, for all of our flaws and shortcomings, who still see the U.S. as the lead society and a weather vane for which way the cultural winds are blowing. So this is a time really to get ready, uh, learn the facts again about unborn human life. You know, for, for many of us, this is old hat, right? And we're, we're probably a little dusty and rusty. Uh, so it, it's important to refresh our minds, uh, learn the facts about unborn human life again. Uh, master how to present the arguments winsomely and with you know proper sensitivity. Uh, abortion is a very difficult decision for many women. And, of course, be prayed up for what's going to be a, a great struggle in the future. But the thing to keep in mind, that even though it looks as though we have won at the Supreme Court level, we have not won at the cultural level. And those who control uh, the main organs of opinion in our society, those who are in charge of what are called the great engines of modernity, right, uh, the political world, the entertainment world, the news world, uh, the academic world, uh, corporate America, they all have a, grown accustomed to abortion, and they're not ready to change. So we have to, this is going to be an intensely spiritual and deeply psychological conflict because we are asking a majority of Americans to change their mind. It's good that we got the Supreme Court to change its mind, <laughs> but that's just the beginning. The work is ahead of us here. I'll add just one more thing. 
Abortion has embittered our political culture. And it's embittered our culture because some of us find it absolutely intolerable that sophisticated, educated, privileged people can rejoice in the shedding of human blood. Abortion is not an issue. Abortion is unjustified violence against someone of my kind, homo sapiens. So no matter how elevated the language of rights, we cannot stop speaking of the dire responsibility we have to protect the lives of fellow humans. And that's what the abortion struggle is about. It's about protecting our kind, the human person. I'm Al Cresta.